I'm free. I'm free. I heard you saying it once. I didn't hear you saying it twice. I'll forgive you. Praise God. Praise God. I am so glad you're here this morning. My title is easy for this morning. It's the presence of God. We'll stay right there. How about that? Presence of God. Because here's what I know. The presence of God changes everything. It can change outcomes, situations, marriages, households. We, uh, we for the first time this morning in the Metroplex, are preaching the same word of God in two different places. We should have, we, we might need to think of this. I was like, man, we should have like a live stream. Like they could be over there. We could be over here where we like, we could wave to each other, you know? That's got to be easy. We could just probably do that on FaceTime. But you know what? Anyways, we'll save that for another week. But approximately at this same, same moment, they're worshiping and preaching the word of God at the Arkansas location, Pastor Abdiel. And they're this morning at 10 o'clock and they're having a worship experience in English. And then at 11.30 this afternoon, they're gonna have one in Spanish. So if you know Spanish and you wanna go at 11.30 or you don't know and you just wanna hang with some um, amigos, then you can go at 11.30. I was thinking of the right Spanish word. You know, I had to find it. But what a, special, what a special blessing the Lord has given us, not just to be able to be here, but to still have impact in the community where we were. We'll also be back there today preaching at the 5 p.m. So if you really like the message, you want to come back, I'm preaching it again at 5. It'll probably be better. It's usually better the second time. You know, work out the kinks, get it ready to go, get a good meal in me, run around a little bit, get a little sweatier, then I'm ready, and then I'm warmed up. We're, we're, in this, we're in this collection here for this. We've been in it for like 100 years. And, but it's, it's good, you know, so we're just enjoying the word of God. Um, Six-week six week series? No, no, we do collections for miles, okay? There's, not, there's no time limit on them. They just, they just go. It's like, it's like milk right now. Not only is it up in price, I, I'm telling you, when I was a kid, milk lasted for a week, meaning the expiration date was one week after you bought it. Now you buy milk, it lasts for like two months. What's in this milk? Like, my milk in my fridge doesn't expire to the end of May. I don't understand. I bought it last month, which is good, because I'm slower at drinking milk now than I was when I was a kid. But I don't know what's going on. Milk just has a shelf life now. You guys should think about that. Just the Holy Spirit is revealing things to me you guys need to know. Think about it. Okay, so speaking of milk, God has sent Moses, which has nothing to do with milk, to set the captives free. He has set them free. They've come out of captivity. They have... They have crossed over the Red Sea. They've seen water come from rocks. They've seen miracles. It's been an incredible time. And now God has called his people to, to encamp at the bottom of a mountain that at the time didn't have a lot of significance called Mount Sinai. You might have heard of it since then. You know, sometimes things that weren't important before become important later. But at this time, it's just a mountain. So they go and they're going to they're gonna sleep and camp at the bottom of the mountain. They're going to regain their strength for a while. And then their job is to go then and enter into the land that God has for them. They're excited, but they're also having to wait. And as they're camping there at the bottom of the mountain, God speaks to Moses. Anybody heard God speak before? He speaks to his people. And in this time, he would speak to his people usually through a person. Praise God, now the veil has been lifted off. The curtain has been torn. And you don't have to sacrifice any goats to have a prayer time with God. Funny, but it was true before. And God speaks from the mountain to Moses 
And he calls for Moses saying, I want to give great blessing to my people, but I want to know first that they're going to obey. Who likes obedience? That depends. Depends on how, how difficult it is. I like obedience when I'm the one asking and someone else is the one being obedient. For sure, that's the best, right? But when someone else is asking and we're the ones who have to be obedient, it's great until it comes to a place where it's not really our preference. And God is saying to the, to the people through Moses, he's saying, I want to give great blessing just like I promised, but I want to first know that you'll be obedient. Go and ask the people if I'm going to bless them and give them great inheritance and bring them in the land once again, will they be obedient to what I'm calling them to do? And the people of God, the, Moses goes to the people of God and says, hey, God says this, are we going to be obedient? And it's like a really no-brainer, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, are you going to be obedient? You don't even have to yet. It's like, oh yeah, I'm so obedient. I'll always be obedient. Because you don't have to yet. So they say yes, of course. And then God calls Moses to go up to the mountain. Exodus chapter 19, if you want to open up your word of God, it'll be on the screens as well, starting in verse 3. And Moses went up to God. Now he's going up to the mountain where God was speaking to him from. And the Lord called out from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen, you've seen what I've done to the Egyptians. You've seen how I've borne you on eagles' wings. I've brought you to myself. Now therefore, will you indeed obey my voice, keep my, keep my covenant? Will you be my treasured possession among all the peoples? For the earth is mine, says God. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that I shall speak to Israel, Israel, which is the people. Then Moses told them. Of course, they agreed. Exodus chapter 19, verse 20. Moses goes up on the mountain. He begins to have this powerful encounter with God. And I just want to point out some, some of the way that God is communicating to his people. Here's how, here's how it's following Aaron the trend. First, God is speaking from the mountaintop. And he's asking for obedience. And then he calls Moses up onto the mountaintop and then he sends Moses down from the mountaintop with purpose and with presence. So a lot of times we're like, God, speak to me. I'm not hearing anything from God. I don't know what to do. I, I have a big decision. I don't, want, I don't know what choice to make. feels like I'm praying, but I'm not really hearing anything. Sometimes it can be so powerful just to go back to the word of God and say, hey, God, in your word, how are you doing it with people before? doesn't mean it's the exact same way. It doesn't mean he's going to call you up on some physical mountain. Maybe a spiritual mountain. Maybe an emotional mountain. But to see how God speaks from the mountain, draws Moses up to the mountain, speaks to him, sends him back down with what? Presence and purpose for what he needed to do. Now, during the time on the mountain, Moses was up there for 40 days. He leaves everyone down below there was a cloud of smoke that had ascended around. You ever been in a, like a real smoky room before? Don't raise your hand. I went inside, and there's just like a, when there's like a, just a smoky place, if you just go inside a smoky place and you come back. I was just in the parking lot the other day. Someone was driving by. They rolled down their window. I went to go talk to them. I didn't know who they were. And they were, they were just smoking right then, and it was just cigar smoke just flew 
out of the window, you know, right on me. And I actually don't mind cigar smoke. So I'm like, yeah, it kind of smelled good. It hit me. And I was like, I had the interaction. I wasn't really thinking about it. I turned over and I went over to someone else and they were like, whoa. Have you been smoking? And I, I thought, man, the, all I did was just interact with one person in the window and there it is on me. Because the smoke will begin to surround. It's surrounded around to say to the people of God, don't even touch the mountain because the interaction happening between God and Moses on the top of the mountain is holy, so holy that you shouldn't go up there and you shouldn't touch the mountain. That's how holy the conversation is. And in that holiness of conversation, see, sometimes we get such in a hurry, we forget about the holy. See, we're having a holy interaction with God, but you may be thinking, I just want this song to be over, go to the next song, I don't really know that one, skip it, move it, pass it, I don't know, bump it, twist it, you know, that little bop it, whatever. Because we're used to moving so fast, we forget that in the hurry, we forget that there's holiness that's way more important in our hurry so there's Moses he's at the top and in this time with God at the top of the mountain God begins to download wisdom and revelation that the people of God need for this season to go into the place that they're going to go into before he opens up the door for a new job or a new relationship or a new place he wants to prepare us for that season He gives them the Ten Commandments, but he also gives between chapters 20 of Exodus to chapters 31. We're not going to read every one of them today. You're welcome. Between all of those chapters, he unpacks tools, resources, insight, wisdom, how-tos, helpful tips, all on the basis of these Ten Commandments that he gives his people. How to live well, how to love people well, how to be in community. I mean, he unpacks it and he rolls it out for them. And the people of God are just standing at the bottom of the mountain. They're waiting and they begin to think, what's going on? Why are we just waiting? Because they don't know all that's being downloaded from the top of the mountain. So they begin to get impatient. I call this the process of presence. The process of presence. The presence of God does not take time. It doesn't take time. God does not need time to manifest his presence or to download anything to you. Did you know this? He supersedes time. But the presence of God on our end takes patience. Because if it comes always on our time, how we want it to, on our terms, then it's not really the presence of God. And you know what takes Patience, time. So sometimes we're like, okay, the presence of God can take a really long time. No, no, the presence of God is very quick. Also, it supersedes time, so it has no time. It's just the presence of God. Yeah, but I'm in a hurry. I need this right now. Well, it really doesn't have to do with time. It has to do with patience because once we get in a hurry, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes you wait for 30 seconds and you're like, I can't wait anymore. 30 seconds is all I got. Because that's how much patience you have to wait for a mint in a jar. 30 seconds, I'm done, I don't want to wait. But to wait for, say, a new outfit to arrive, or a new hat that you like, or a new car, there's people waiting for months for new cars, and their patience is not running out. They're just fine when the car arrives, they're very excited. Because they think that's worth waiting for. 
So they have patience for that, but they don't have patience for this. See, if there's a restaurant I really want to go to, and I walk in, and they say, oh, it'll be a 20-minute wait, but I really want to go. It's like, you know what, I might wait. But if I didn't really want to go anyways, 20-minute wait, this is a good reason to leave. See, the, the presence of God is a process, and the process takes patience, and patience many, many times takes time. So the people of God are at the bottom of the mountain, and they're running out of patience. Give them the Ten Commandments. He's downloading this to them. They don't know what's going on. They're wondering, what's he doing up there? And you know what happens sometimes that the church will do when the presence of God takes too long? When the presence of God doesn't cooperate how they want it to? You know what they'll do? They'll make their own presence. They'll make their own smoke. They'll get their own lights. They'll get their own people clapping. They'll get their own shouts. They'll get their own prayers. They'll get their own. This is what we do. See, we, we used to gather as the church, holistically, the church in the Metroplex. We would gather, and there was, a, there was one reason we were gathering. It was for the presence of God. But when the presence of God doesn't show up because we didn't want to wait long enough or we didn't think we could, we didn't want to pray during the week or we didn't want to read the word of God, we just want to show up and want the presence to be there and we want to say, man, that was great, that was awesome, I felt warm and fuzzy, I felt so good, I feel so healed, I just, I just want the presence of God to just be there. I don't want the process, I just want the presence. So then we begin to just manufacture the presence. We begin to make it on our own. And this is exactly what they did. And this is what the church has done for history, for decades and generations and generations. And my fear is this is what we're doing even now as a church. That as you come to authentic and as you sense the presence of God, then you begin to go out and you think, okay, well, how can I get that again? How can I manufacture that again? How can I produce that again? How can I make that again? You can't make it again. It's the presence of God. It moves and we follow it. It's like rivers flowing. It's like water moving. You can't keep it in your hand. You can't control it. You can't make it. You can't make it be a song or a thing or a message. You have to, you have to follow it and be in tune so you know when the presence of God is moving one direction, we move with it. Otherwise, just like happens with the people of God throughout Scripture, the presence of God leaves and the people of God don't even know it at first. Because we really weren't here for God. We were here for the show. Let us not be here for the show. So this is what they did. Moses was taking too long. Exodus chapter 32, remember I told you that we went from first chapter 20 all the way to 31, God's talking to Moses. Exodus chapter 32, verse 2, Aaron says, take off all your jewelry and all your rings, all your gold that are in your, the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So the people took off all their rings and their gold that were in their ears and they brought them to Aaron. Remember, just a quick 
remembrance if you, if you don't or you weren't here. The only reason they have any gold jewelry is because God promised it to them. And on the way out, they plundered the Egyptians who held them captive, and they took their gold, and that's why they have gold. And they took them, verse 4, and they received the gold from his hand, and he fashioned it with a graving tool, and he made a golden calf. And they said, these are the gods, O Israel, that brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow we shall feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and they offered burnt offerings to this golden calf that they made and peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. This is what they did. God was taking too long. So they decided to manufacture it themselves. So they took the gold that they had, they melted it down, and they made a golden calf, a cow, a pagan god. And they worshiped that, and they sacrificed to that, and they said, here's the pagan god that now will lead us. Here's the one that really got us out. This is, this is it. This is our symbol here. The irony was, the very thing that they took and that they melted down to make an idol with was the very gift that God gave them in the first place. They, they repurposed a gift from God for sin. Ever been there before? Don't say no. Because we have. We've been there before. God has given us a great talent. He's given us a great gift. He's given us a spiritual gift. Whatever it may be, he's blessed us with something and we've taken it and instead of using it for his glory in his timing, we wanted it for our purpose, for our glory, so people would know, man, they're really great. We didn't, we didn't want to wait any longer for what God had and so what we did was we just took what he's given us so far because you got you know, you to work with what you got here. You know, We can make anything sound spiritual. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be dating them, but you know, you got to work your window. You know, it's like, what does that mean? I, I know that we shouldn't be together, but you know what? God makes all things new. Uh, all right, like, I guess if you want to take that and stamp that verse over your life, I mean, go, I, it doesn't seem like it's right, but. You, because oh, when I'm really hearing from God, this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, God never tells us we're supposed to be in sin, so I think you're hearing wrong, brother. So here they are, and they've taken gifts from God, taken them, misshapen them, and turned favor into falsehood. Man, and we do it. I do it. We all do it. The hope is that God would take us from glory to glory, from place to place, through the process of sanctification, that we would actually see the wrong that we're doing, and we would own it, we would repent from it, and it would draw us closer to God, because sin separates us from the presence of God. So the more I can repent from my sin, the more I can know the presence of God. Not the more that I can pretend that I'm okay, that has no connection and no correlation between my nearness to God. So here they are, 
worshiping an idol that they made from gifts God gave them. They took something God gave them, they melted it down, ruined it, and made it something else. do that so the hope should be that we would realize it and repent say God what am I, what am I doing you gave me this awesome gift of art and here I am making it about me instead of about you you gave me this incredible ability to lead people but here I am leading people for my own selfish gain instead of for your glory You gave me this awesome gift of a family, but here now I just want my family to just do everything that I want because if it's not going my way, then I don't like it. But what what I really should want is I just want God's glory to be going through and out of my family. I should hope that that's just what everybody sees, that my family is, is really a gift from God, not a tool for me to melt down and make it what I want. You're giving me this awesome marriage and there's so much favor on it, but here I am. And now what I'm doing is I just want to melt that down and I want to make the marriage be really what I need it to be. This is what I, these are my needs. Do you see my needs? Do you see what I want? We were given the great opportunity this week to wait for an hour and 15 minutes in the doctor's office to solidify our patience. It was a gift from God to show our faithfulness. And during it was a movie that was glitching in and out on a 32-inch television, which used to be big in 2006. Now 32 inches is like, no, man, like, why do you have that? That's a, that's a phone. <laughs> Thanks for bringing your tablet. <laughs> Where's the television? And on the screen was Finding Nemo. And I thought, what a great classic movie. I haven't seen that in at least three or four days, and... And it was, that, it was that scene, if you remember the movie, where, where all the, the insignificant part, but all the birds are there, and they're going, mine, 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 mine. That's all they do. That's their only line in the movie. They do it like three or four times. It's, it's not very significant, but if you've seen the movie, then it's like, oh, man. But it, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it, and I'm feeling impatient. I'm feeling like, you know, and then I see the birds three or four times, like, mine, mine, mine. And there's like eight, 10, 20, 30 birds. And I remember, like, no, no, like, that's us. Like, if you're watching the movie, and you're like, you know, you're putting yourself in the, in, the, in the film, and you're like, oh, I'm Nemo, you know, like, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm Nemo's dad, I'm just all stressed out about stuff. I'm Dory, I don't give a care. No, 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 none of you are any of those people. All of us are the insignificant bird on the rock, and our only line is, mine, 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 that's it. Like, in our heart of hearts, and so the cry should be, God, make me not that, make me more like you. And when you read the story between the people of God and Moses and God, it's like you put yourself in there and who you are. Here's what I want us to know. I want us to know, like, you're not God in the story, okay? God is God in the story. You're not the one calling people up the mountain, okay? That's God. He's doing that. And so you think, okay, well, am I, am I, are you supposed to be Moses? Are you supposed to be the people? Like, which one am I? You're both. We're both. We jump back and forth between both all the time. It's celebration on Sunday, sin on Monday. And God is saying, I want my people to be set apart. I want them to be holy. 
I want them to live different, think different, and be different. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. The people of God are delayed. They do whatever they want. This is what they say. When the people of God saw that Moses was delayed from coming down the mountain, not like he told them when they were coming, but he just, you know, they thought he should have been there sooner, you know? The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and they said, make up gods for us that we should go before them. And they said, as for this Moses, I love it. As for this idiot leader that's been leading us around, like, so sick of him. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Yeah, you do. He's on the mountain. Talking to God for you. Then in verse 7, Moses is, God reveals to Moses that the people have sinned. They've made the calf. He knows, right? He says, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of evil. Egypt, well, evil too, I guess, right? From Egypt have corrupted themselves. The thing about the presence of God is when we're in it, it reveals everything we need to know. The presence of God reveals everything you need to know. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what it can do. So Moses is brokenhearted because he's having this awesome time with God. Have you ever had like an incredible encounter with God and it's going so good, but then like you go home and then it's like, oh man, that's not that incredible. Or like you meet some friends and they're like, oh, they're totally not in line with where I am. You feel like God's really moving through you, but like everywhere you go, it's not really lining up and so you don't know what to do. And so Moses is kind of having one of those moments. So he goes before God and he prays. Prayer will bring the presence of God. He prays for the people and he asks God to restore them and he asks God to still lead them and to show them where to go. And and he says, don't forsake us, God. We want you to be with us. And it's this really awesome, heartfelt prayer that Moses gives. And so God, who wanted to just totally destroy the people, he says, you know what? Because you came on on their behalf, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to still lead you guys and I'm going to lead you where you need to go and I'm going to be your God. And Moses says this in chapter 33, verse 17. The Lord says to Moses, the very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. The presence of God brings the glory of God. And that's what the city needs. That's what the neighborhood needs. That's what your family needs. That's what your life needs. It needs the glory of God. Not the glory of Mac, not the glory of you, not the glory of some movie, not the glory of some, even, even just some piece of thing, like some phrase that you found or some, some like mission statement that you have in your life. Not the glory of any of that. The glory of God. The presence of God will bring the glory of God. What that means is that when the presence of God is near, that you will see the presence of God at work, and that will be through God's glorious works. And the good news is, You won't have to manufacture it. You won't have to make it or create it or try to hype it or try to make it enough or try to make it great.
Moses is back on the mountain with God. After he goes down, sees the people sinning, breaks the tablets, throws a fit, has a little crybaby session. Goes back up there, he's talking with God. He has this show me your glory moment. And God says, I'll show you my glory. I'm going to set you by a rock. I'm going to pass by you. And just part of my body passing by you. It's going to touch you in such a way that you're going to be different. The presence of God brings the glory of God. It touches Moses in such a way when Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is shining. This is what happens when we're in the glory of God. People see it. They see that we're different. Not so we can say, oh, look at us, look at me. No, look at him. It's his glory. It's his presence. We're in here for one reason. We're not in here for the show and for the laughs and for the songs. That's just a bonus, okay? We're not in here to take what God gave us and to make it into what we want so we can worship the gift instead of who gave it. We're here for the presence of God and the glory of God. And it comes on his timing, in his place, on his terms. And that may mean that it's not as comfortable for us. It's not our preference. It's not our way. The thing about the glory of God and the presence of God is it doesn't really care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Because it supersedes all of that. It doesn't care if you're male or if you're female. It supersedes it. It doesn't care if you're excited or you're afraid. The glory of God supersedes it. The glory of God does not care if you've been to church your entire life or for one hour. The glory of God supersedes it. So that we can stop trying to see are we good enough, are we right enough, are we wrong enough, have we made it enough, have we done this enough, have we prayed enough. The glory of God does what it does. And it makes Moses' face shine in such a way that the people of God see it. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two new tablets. And as he came down from the mountain, Moses didn't know that the skin on his face shone because they had been talking with God. Have you been talking with God? You get to. You don't have to climb a mountain or make any tablets or sacrifice any animals or melt anything. You can talk to God anytime you want. And you want to know something? He's listening and he'll speak back to you and the glory of God will be on you so that others will know he is God. I want us to practice this together. You can't preach about the glory of God and the presence of God and say, hey, have a great week. That was fun. Go watch Finding Nemo. I want us to practice it together. Here's what happened in the, in the text. God was speaking to Moses saying, I'm about to, I'm about to give my people an incredible presence to follow, incredible glory to see. And I'm about to bring them into a land they've never been in before and do new things I've never done. 
But if you go read the text, if you go read all the scriptures there between chapter 19 and verses and chapter 32, if you go read it all, which you can, put on audio, listen to it this week, do what you want to do, you'll see this, that he said to the people of God, I need you to consecrate yourselves and set yourselves apart so that I can speak to you in such a way. I need you to, to push away the sin in your life so you can get even closer to me. And then I want to speak to you and I want to talk. Here's what I want to do. I want to take this next week that you have. And I want to be really intentional about consecrating ourselves. This is what that means. Being aware and mindful of what's going into us. What's going into our mind, what we're looking at, what we're doing. So that we can prepare ourselves for the presence and the glory of God. And you can say, hey man, that guy's crazy. That's fine, I don't, I don't care. But I want to see the glory of God descend like like he did on that mountain in this city. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come back next week. You're going to have consecrated yourself all week. It's going to be Mother's Day. Praise God for Mother's Day. You're going to say, Happy Mother's Day. You're going to give your mom a kiss. You're going to love her. You're going to buy her a present. Go buy something, you know. This is the only time in your life where you have good permission to buy something you can't afford. It's Mother's Day, all right? Every other time, only buy it if you, can, if you have the money, all right? It don't matter if you have the money, get the flowers. It's your mother. We're gonna come for Mother's Day. My wife's gonna preach. It's gonna be great. Thanks for that golf clap. When she preaches, bring more than the golf clap, but it's, it's appropriate for now, it's fine. We're gonna honor the moms. We're gonna pray for people. We're gonna honor those who have lost their moms. We're gonna honor it. It's gonna be an awesome day. I'm excited to be here for it. We're gonna be in two locations celebrating it. The new mamas, the old mamas, all of it. Then we're going to come back the next week and we're going to pray after Mother's Day, Monday through Friday, every night, and we're going to seek God like we've never, like we never have before. And for those who want to see the glory of God, I'm not talking about what's going to happen in this church building. I'm not talking about what's going to happen in our organization. I'm talking about the people of God. That's what I care about. And for those who have been saying, man, I want, I want cancer to run away from my family. Yeah, I would love that. I want sickness to run from my family, not run in my family. I want the glory of God to be on us. I don't want to have to, I don't want to, have to be having the same addiction that I've had. I don't want to have these same thoughts weigh me down. I want real freedom from my sin. I want real freedom in my life. Come and pray and seek the presence of God. Monday through Friday, we're going to pray every night at 7 o'clock. And I'm believing on Friday night, we're going to hear from God like never before. going to set ourselves apart all week the best we can trusting God asking God to re reveal sin to me reveal reveal wickedness to me help me know how to be closer to you help me know how to draw near to you I'm not doing to get I'm seeking after the heart of the father then we're going to celebrate Mother's Day and then we're going to come and we're going to pray we're going to fill this city with prayers going forth for generations to generations to generations we just stand up as we close I want us to celebrate together we got a celebration. Talk about the glory of God. We're going to celebrate new life in baptism this morning. How's that water feel, TJ? All right. For those of you that have not been part of baptism before, Terrence is about to get baptized. He's going to go down under the water as a, as a symbol of the death of Christ, but he's going to come up out of the water as a symbol of Christ's resurrection. That's why we're going to cheer when he comes up and not when he goes down, right? He's going to be in the water as a symbol of cleansing. 
Because on the inside, TJ, you have been made new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you are a new creation. The things that had handles on you before, the things that dragged you down before, don't drag you down now because you're set free in Christ. And now he wants to publicly declare it on the outside. Anybody been set free on the inside? Come on. What, what Terrence would want you to know is that before Jesus, he partied, he drank, he did stuff he wasn't supposed to do with people he should have never been with. That somewhere around graduating high school, he got sucked into the wrong crowd. Anyone ever been drawn into the wrong crowd before? You looked up and thought, no, I don't really belong here. This is not where God called me to be. And it takes you sometimes, just like him, it takes you to get to the rock bottom, lowest place you can be. To say, to be crying out to God like he was and say, God, what is my purpose? Without the presence of God, it's so hard to know what your purpose is. And it's been awesome to see you here, finding purpose, living in purpose, serving God, seeing you set free. So you can say too, the very thing that I was saying, that cancer doesn't run in my family, it runs from my family. That alcoholism doesn't run in my family, it runs from my family. That fear doesn't run in my family, it runs from my family. Because I'm set free, I'm new in Christ. Who I was before is not who I am now. Who you were before, you're a different man, you're new. What had you before has no holds on you. Now the Holy Spirit is inside of you and it fills you up. And as you walk, you walk with God. And so we baptize you, my brother. You're coming up different. I know, you, I know you're set free now, but God's putting something different on you. So we baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Resurrection power. New life. Victory in Christ.